At the end of civilization, humanity struggles to survive. Will they also succeed in keeping their humanity alive? Fleeing across a landscape of death, survivors will gather. Some will know each other and some will be strangers, but together they must find some sense of family or they will assuredly find ruin alone. A world of perpetual grays where staying alive eclipses all notions of morality. Or does it? Can people keep looking into the abyss and learn to ignore its baleful gaze back? Can hope for normalcy be retained or is death just the order of the day? Will humanity rebuild or simply become the monsters they fight until monsters are all that's left? At the end of civilization, will humanity be able to live for a brighter future, or will they only learn to fear the walking dead? Hi, welcome to your Fear the Walking Dead cast, and we are continuing our coverage of Season 7 of The Walking Dead show, as opposed to the other one that we talk about, when that's back. And it is Episode 10 this week, called New Best Friends, as we continue the Rick Grimes uh, Let's Raise an Army tour. I am joined tonight by uh, Sarah Tonin and Mike Zumo. We're, we're, Hello. We're getting smaller. Hello. We all have our full cast of characters back very soon, I hope. Um, we, we tried to beg Professor Allen uh, to, to come on tonight, but he, he was going and doing that sleep thing because he's had a busy week professoring, I'm sure. And, and actually, actually, he's probably had the week off, that lazy bastard. What the hell, well, Allen? Well, colleges are in session this week. Are they? I don't know. I believe so. Well, they usually kind of sync their their breaks with, with the other schools and stuff. At least mine, the ones I went to did, for e, the most part. E, even the public schools around here have been open, or at least here have been open this week. I think up there they were off. It must be, maybe it's an upstate thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> midwinter break, and it was in the 60s all week, so that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yes, new best friends, um, and an interesting episode. Did I introduce you? Yeah, Sarah and Mike, hi. Uh, we're here. And uh, the episode opens with the usual cargo drop for the saviors uh, from Ezekiel and the kingdom. And the savior that's had conflicts uh, with Richard before uh, gets in his face and says he doesn't think he should have a gun. These uh, saviors really hate the Second Amendment. <laughs> this, is, this is the moment I realized that the entire season took place in the space of a week. This one? Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, kind of. That, that was one of my problems with it. <laughs> well, no, the, the the first half of the season was about a month. But but so far, this one's been chugging right along. I think it had to be a month. Rick didn't just go from, I'm, you know, subversive to, to deciding to go to war. Right, but the Saviors have only made one weekly uh, pickup. Well, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean we have to see all of them. I mean, well, we saw one pickup with, uh, well, so remember, we, we we last saw Ezekiel before this part of the season only once in the first half. Right. You know, so we don't know exactly. He was off camera, so I'm sure they had a couple other drops or maybe they maybe. got a different schedule or I don't know. Um, uh, I just remember the next one was supposed to be produce, and here's a bunch of watermelons. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, good one. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to ask the writers about that one. Or I'm waiting on our like our archivist Sarah here to to have that figured out. She's usually the detail person. Nothing. I'm sorry, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> 
I didn't right. realize there was going to be a test. I, I, I didn't either, man. I just got one, nine pages, and I get one sentence up before you guys are interrupting me. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one since Sunday. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we got we have a pickup. Is is the point I was trying to make? We don't know how many there've been, um, and the savior that one. Uh, one. We'll say one. You know, at least this half of the season is all we've seen. And as I said, uh, you know, saviors are against the the Second Amendment, or at least where uh, Sir Richard is concerned. And words are exchanged, and, and a couple, uh, you know, uh, we get down a little, little standoff with Richard and asshole guy pointing their pistols at each other. Uh, they are kind of able to de-escalate it briefly, but then uh, Sir Dickhast opened his mouth and a fight ensues, with Ben and Morgan getting into it with their staffs. The king offers to keep uh, Richard off future supply runs, but Gavin, kind of the leader of the pickup crew here, um, says he has to keep coming because if this keeps up, it's Lucille time and Richard's first up to bat. I did like Richard's challenge to Ezekiel in this scene. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when, how, how's it going to be, your majesty? Yeah, well, I think Richard's uh, Richard's well on his way to being the next uh, Lucille victim for, for good or ill and might get him, uh, you know, that might be the, the catalyst that gets him what he's looking for, but he may not be around to see the war <laughs> at this point. Um, as they leave, poor Morgan asks for his staff back, which he lost in the uh, scuffle, but the savior takes it with him, and sad Morgan is sad. Back at the uh, kingdom, Ezekiel scolds young Ben for getting into it, at the same time, um, you know, congratulating him on his new staff ass-kicking skills, uh, which was nice, positive and negative reinforcement. Uh, and he also tells Richard that they'll talk later in the principal's office. Daryl and Morgan uh, speak, and Daryl calls him out doing, uh, you know, on doing the whole Gandhi thing. He tells him if Carol was here and she knew, she'd go all ninja and shit. You know, Sir Dick is practicing, practicing his archery, and he pretty much sucks at it. But Daryl gets a present, a new crossbow, and feels. That was a good scene. He's well, he's Daryl again. He's not Daryl unless he's got a big cross problem. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, it was it was Richard given a given a gift to uh, to launch into his recruiting speech uh, for the rebellion. And of course, Daryl is down with it. You know, for now, and we roll credits. So uh, come back, and Sir Dick is taking Daryl to his secret stash and leads him to the goddamn Smokey in the Bandit truck, which I did not know until like Talking Dead told me about, but. That was You're awesome. kidding me. No. That's was, a Smokey and the Bandit truck? Yeah. The very one snowman. I didn't yeah, I didn't recognize that. I mean, I just I saw the pattern, but it didn't didn't click with me. But yep, Snowman's truck itself. Like the actual truck, apparently. So that that's pretty neat. Um, now all we need is uh Buford T. Pussard to, or Buford T. Justice to come out and, and join the crew and I'd be a happy camper. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, they went to ambush a savior patrol, which initially Daryl is like, fuck yeah, but learns that Richard has set it up so the saviors will be led back to Carol, basically, and kill her, thus making Ezekiel want to fight. And Richard eventually admits it's Carol, and Daryl is like, fuck this. Daryl stops him from attacking the patrol and leaves him, but tells him that if anything happens to her, basically that he'll kill him a hundred different ways and then kill his zombie too, and then piss on his remains or something like that. 
pretty close. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, he was he was very clear about what would happen to Richard uh, should he get Carol hurt in any way. Well, Daryl is never ambiguous. <laughs> no, no, no. He's he's a straight straight talker, as they say. <laughs> And back with the Grimes crew, finally we see the scale of the new community they found and how fucking weird it is. Um, yeah, it's basically Barter Town, and we get some kind of interpretive dance, hive mind, I don't know what the fuck I'm watching, of the many people in this new place walking around to eventually circle Rick's crew, though it seems like they kind of took the long way to do it. Uh, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. They live in a junkyard, kind of apparently with some underground areas, and we meet the leader, uh, who is a woman named Jadis. She says that she owns their lives, but will sell them back to him, to Rick, and he demands to see Gabriel. Everyone is silent and creepy, and their uh, leader pretty much talks like the kids in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, in a way, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, I'm sure this was like basically the, the Beyond Thunderdome tribute show. Nick Terrell has always wanted to do or something. <laughs> she be, uh, brings out a tired-looking Gabriel. Rick tells her that they belong to the, uh, you know, they belong to the Savior, so they they can't, you know, buy themselves back from her or something like that. And then gives him the sales pitch. Yeah, Jadis is about as impressed and willing as everyone ha- else has been up to this point, and uh, of course says no. But a scuffle breaks out, and Gabriel gets a knife and takes uh, Tamriel away from Tamriel. Something like that. Takes one woman hostage. Uh, tells them that the Savers have things. And they can have those things if they fight and win. Gabriel starts plugging Rick's amazing leadership abilities. Ha, 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 ha. And Jadis tells a couple millions to show Rick up, up, up. Which, sadly for him, is not some freaky threesome sex position. It is up, up, up to some very awful green screen work. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, I, no, I actually didn't. I didn't think it was as bad as the, the first time I saw it. But yeah, going back, it was uh, it was pretty low rent, and there was a plane if, if, flying by. If apparently. I if I notice it, it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't have. Did you guys notice the plane? I didn't notice the plane slash maybe bird in the shot. Uh, the one shot of him up over the horizon. I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah, but the the big fan, you know, dust up online is is was that actually intentionally a plane or are there planes flying around? Uh, which would actually be if it was intentional would be another potential like Mad Max call out because the the weird aviator dude that's always showing up and flying gyrocopters and shit in those movies. Yeah, but you got to remember, I, I do a show that covers the adventures of Superman where you hear birds chirping on asteroids. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Those things don't faze me anymore. No, no, uh, you know, but uh, you, you kind of expect modern TV to, to iron out some of those things. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, the up, up, up is uh, basically the top of the trash heap, and Jada gives him her uh, their story. They take, they don't bother. Uh, uh, she tells him the story of the Pocky Clips. <laughs> she <laughs> says she's uh, considering fighting but needs to know if Rick is worth it, so she pushes him into a pit. And two to men the down, enter. Down, down. Yeah, to, to the town, down, down. Yes, two men enter, and one man or zombie leaves, and it's Thunderdome time, kids. Spike, the zombie, actually Winslow, because why not? Uh, comes out to play, and Rick scrambles to find bags of trash to fight him with. He gets his hand impaled on a spike and cuts his leg, and things are looking pretty bad. But 
Rick finds a, a lucky piece. Apparently, he needed Michonne to tell him to look for weapons in the wall because that's when he finds a lucky piece of glass and dispatches the Nightmare Walker. Uh, who is, you know. She said the walls use them. And then he started pulling shit down. Yeah. Well, and bags of trash started getting caught in his spikes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's the walls. Okay, great. But I, I'm thinking Use that them. Rick really doesn't need someone to tell him that he should have really worked that one out for himself. Well, he wasn't doing it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, not really sure how you made it. This It's just one of those cases where they kind of. It seems like they write a character that should know that shit stupid, you know, until, you know, I guess Michonne needed one more line in this, this episode or something. I don't know. Nitpicks. What was it? Winslow was a very impressive looking zombie. Yeah, I was just going to say we should stop down and, and like, praise the work on that one because it was, like, something we've really never seen in the show before, you know, weaponized zombies. Uh, like, they're not weaponized enough. But, yeah, this guy had uh, spikes through him and rebars and a nifty mask with spikes. And uh, it was, it was it, he looked a lot like the mouth of Sauron from the, the Lord of the yes, Rings. Yes, he did. I was, I was, I made that connection, too. Yeah, which would also peripherally tie him back to Mad Max because the guy who played the mouth of Sauron played the aviator dude in the Mad Max movies. It's all fucking connected, man. Um, or not. Or just happy coincident, whatever. <laughs> I'm out. <Yeah. laughs> um, anyway, Jadis agrees to loan him her army if he can get her lots of guns. Hmm, wonder where they can find those. And after some tough haggling, they agree to let the junk people keep a third of the booty and the guns and half of what they stole from Rick in the beginning when they lured idiot Gabriel out and robbed the town. We also find out that they waited a long time for someone to loot the boat and then rob them because they take, they don't bother. They're like the lazy bandits of the apocalypse. <laughs> Hugs and happiness. Better get some peroxide on that hand, Rick. Uh, and at Carol's place, she opens her door to find that Ezekiel and company were just in the neighborhood, clearing out the area for his little crush. And they walked. They walked a distance to get into the neighborhood. <laughs> yes, yes. I was only yes, twelve miles away from the neighborhood, but. Um, and uh, she kind of says, you know, basically, fuck off. I don't want to see people. Remember, but Jerry is there with the cobbler save. And uh, Jerry is deliriously cheery, as always, and he'll probably be dying soon. I want Jerry to be a badass. I think he is a badass, probably. Well, apparently the guy that plays him is a badass. Did you you watch Talking Dead, Mike? Uh, No. No, because I guess he's, like, super martial arts fucking guy and just, you know, obviously also a huge Samoan, which you really don't want to fuck with anyway. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) All right, so you you don't hire a guy like that unless you're going to use his talent. Right, and, you know, I've seen a lot of griping about, uh, you know, why why are there fat people in the apocalypse like Jerry? And, like, well, because if you're that, if you're a badass, you can eat as much as you want in the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't judge. Uh, And the dude's Samoan. Uh, Carol goes back in and, and gets a knock at the door, uh, but it's not a Rasta stud this time. It's Daryl. Hugs and weepiness ensues, and Daryl asks, why'd you leave? And all the feels, right? You know, are we agreed on that one? Yeah, we're, we're agreed. It's, it's been a while since we've seen those two together. So. You know, it really hit me during this scene that it never dawned on me that Carol didn't know what happened. 
yeah, I mean they they jumped around so much and the weight and yeah, she's she's like totally clueless. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it either, but um, you know, I said poor Morgan just found out last week is right. Rick <laughs> dumped it on him in the middle of the conference with the king. So yeah, we knew that was going to come to a head when when they got together, and not quite the way we expected it to. I think uh, Jesus took us to the kingdom. Whoa, hello. Hello. Hey. We back. Oh. <laughs> it was weird sounds. Anyway, Daryl says uh, Jesus took us to the kingdom just so we can have our biblical reference uh, quota met for the episode. Um, back at Barter Town, Gabriel. Gabriel gives Rick the story of how he went missing, and he gets a pat on the back for leaving the whole clue thing, and, and kind of starts talking about Rick like he's the Messiah himself, a little creepy. Uh, you'd, you'd think he'd glom onto the guy that's actually named Jesus if he was looking for spiritual leadership like that, but he does have this kind of weird reverence when he talks about Rick, doesn't he, or am I the only one seeing that? Yeah, he does, after he had his... Uh Call it a come to Rick moment. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's gonna. That's I don't want to say come to Jesus moment because we already have, we have a Jesus on the show right. too. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna come to bite them in the ass somehow down the road. That it's being set up that way for a reason. That he'll eventually have to lose his faith in Rick again or something, and, and then he'll turn around and get eaten by a zombie or something. I'm surprised he hadn't got eaten by a zombie yet. Yeah, especially if he's, you know, just likes to follow people off into the woods like he does. Um, like, I'm amazed he lived through season four. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he... I'm trying to remember. I don't think he lasted all that long in the comics, to be honest with you. So I think he's one of those that have outlived his comic presence. Um, um, anyway, um, on the quest, uh, yeah, uh, to make Rosita look more like an asshole, and I think I'm going with uh, Sarah's prediction from, I think, last week that, you know, they're, they're trying to make us hate Rosita now, basically, so they can knock her off or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably, because she's gonna, the way she's going, she's going to deserve it. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they're kind of writing her like a one-note character now, and, and she just is really mean to Tara. Um, you know, she's, she's ready to fight and do whatever it takes, but... So uh, the group uh, finally starts to realize, fuck, we have to find a shit ton of guns now. And, and Tara's all like, well, I didn't see any, any when I was out, but I can tell you where not to look. Uh, which, what's the prediction on that? What's, what's the episode uh, pool for how long it takes for Tara to break and who has to get their squished, their head squished for her to give up her secret? I'm going to go with, like, two episodes. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing, too, because it looks like we're going to get a Negan, uh, Eugene, a festival of U- yeah, Negan. Yeah, Eugene's summer vacation Eugene at week. the sanctuary next week. So that should be interesting. I'm sure he'll like the, the boob room. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, uh, Tara's still holding on to it. And not a very good liar, so it's kind of good that no one's kind of flat out come out and asked her. You know, Rick kind of answered for her, luckily. You know, he's like, well, you're out for a couple weeks and you didn't find any guns, so at least you can tell us where not to go. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And Rick grabs a present from Michonne on their way out. Ah, which I guess was something she lost a while ago. Like a little, what was it, like a wire kitty or something? Yeah, I think it was a callback to a conversation they had when they were... Like, maybe right after they left the prison, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or she was, I don't remember. 
My memory banks don't go back that far. Right. They barely go back a week anymore. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're back at the cabin, and Carol tells Daryl why she, why she had to go all hermit. And she finally asks if everyone got through the whole savior ordeal all right, and Daryl straight up lies to her to spare her having to go into murdery mode again. So he departs in after a nice dinner, so that was cool. And they, they say their their goodbyes, hopefully not permanent ones, show. Uh, Daryl talks to Morgan and tells him that he has to convince uh, Ezekiel to fight, but Morgan's like, uh, dude, Gandhi can't do it. Um, and, but he also calls Daryl out because he figures out that he didn't tell Carol, so he's protecting her decision not to kill while kind of telling Morgan that he should. Also, really bad CGI Shiva and Daryl stuff, but it makes us go, aw. <laughs> Does anyone else think that, like, the Kitty, first... kitty, I just don't want to, because I don't want to scoop that litter box. <laughs> no, he looked like a baby kitty in this. The first, like, shot of him walking towards Daryl... He looked like ten times smaller than he does when he's sitting next to Ezekiel, so someone kind of dropped the computer ball on this one pretty badly this whole episode. Um, anyone else see it like that? I just thought it looked really small compared to as he's walking over to Daryl. It looked like he was a shrunken version of himself. <laughs> Could have been. I uh, just... wasn't paying that close attention to uh, the tiger. Yeah, no, I said it. But I do think Daryl was bonding with it. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. Maybe that'll come into play later, too. Um, like, you know, that ti- that tiger wants to go to war. Yeah, and, and presumably that's what they're saving the special effects budget for, as we said last week, so hopefully. But that was, that was pretty much the episode, and, um, and yeah, next week, Eugene's bad day out, but... Your turn. Talk, folks. Well, we know that Daryl doesn't uh, grasp the idea of political asylum. No, clearly. It doesn't work if you leave the, con- if you leave, uh, the place where you have asylum. Yeah, that lasted about a day. I, I, think I, I think I actually predicted that would be two episodes, and so I was wrong on that one. He just, he's like, fuck this shit. Um, I think Carol's going to get into the fight at some point. I think she's going to have to. Well, I think... They kind of left us thinking that, uh, you know, Richard's going to go off and, and start some shit on his own anyway. And I, I don't think he has too many other plans in the whole let them attack Carol thing. So I think. And I also don't necessarily think Carol wants to be a hermit forever. Because if she was really bothered by the, all the visits, she'd have been out of there. Well, yeah, she could get herself farther away. Yeah, she's, she's kind of. Staying tied to it a little bit. Let's face it, she likes the fresh produce and cobbler, man. Who wouldn't? Yeah. She's doing the hard-to-get thing, but, you know, she'll keep taking the gifts. <laughs> I don't know. The, the heapsters, they bother me. The garbage pail kids. <laughs> they were she's, creepy. She's like a five-year-old. Yeah. What, did they find all of the deficient people and they all just gathered in the junkyard? I think so, yeah. We will find out it was a, a whole mental hospital or something. That, yeah. <laughs> that escaped like, civilization together. didn't break down this much this quickly. No, that that was one of my problems with it. I mean, we're showtime is like around four-ish years, maybe. I don't right. think even that. Maybe between three and four. Right. Yeah, and I don't know if you get to the whole let's invent our own way of speaking thing in that amount of time, you know? I I don't know. 
I guess I guess they're the the group is unofficially the Heapsters, but it's like the garbage pail kids. They're horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, let's go to the up, up, up. Well, okay. In English, let's climb to the top of the heap and see what you got, old man. You know. You know. Then they, 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 me. they surround them. They're asking if they have a leader of their collective. The first thing I'm thinking, I'm seeing these people. We are the Borg. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, it's a hive. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's exactly what their yeah whole interpretive dance thing was in the beginning too. They had to do the dosi do five times to to, to make a circle, <laughs> or they or they're all very OCD and they have very specific spots in their circle they have to stand. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's good to see these new communities, but also you kind of have to. I just think this was like you know what uh, we're kind of out of ideas for this week. Let's just watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and write that. And that's kind of what we got. <laughs> Pretty much. Did Nicodero do this episode? <clears throat> I don't know. Let me uh, see. I got IMDB right here. So. Uh, it's not going to tell me. Out here somewhere. I'm not seeing it. I can't even find anything on IMDb anymore. <laughs> oh, full cast and crew probably want to click that one. Let's nope. Go to- Jeffrey F. January. Just by, I'm not even seeing that. Jeffrey F. January. Okay, cool. Uh, said no, no frame of reference. I guess I don't really pay attention to that. I always say Nick because I know he's like the main makeup guy and one of the producers, probably. But yeah, he probably doesn't. He, you know, he normally gets all the. Yeah, he gets all the uh, finales and openers. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those those throwaway directors, maybe. No, he's done quite a few. Uh, uh, he's mostly, I think maybe this was his first directing. He's been first assistant director on a lot of them. Um, so, yeah. He's it almost seems like a throwaway episode. Well, no, yeah, it's just still the finding an army type thing, and, and they definitely found themselves numbers, but uh, again, it's like the whole... They've got 47 IQ points between them. <laughs> right, which is which makes for good cannon fodder. You know, you just throw them, it's like, you, that... You know, you 50, just run at them and shoot at things. <laughs> you know, pull the trigger. Uh, again, though... Apparently, I, Winslow is one of Jadis's friends. Oh, okay. Not anymore. Winslow, no. the... Uh, yeah, well, Winslow was one of Jadis's friends, apparently. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Why would, you know, he would actually have a name other than just Spike Zombie. Because... Um, and, and when did he get dressed in all of his Spikes? There had to be a tricky, uh, a tricky dressing. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe. What I got on a review is um, thrown from the up, up, up into what Andrew Lincoln described as the pit of hell. 
He comes face to face with Winslow, a former friend of Jadis and, co- and company who is now a walker covered in spikes. It's a really cool concept just on the right side of the ridiculous and once again shows how great Greg Nicotero and his team are at, at this part of doing their jobs. The ensuing fight is for one of the one part of the most entertaining parts of the season so far with moments of real threat. This may be the closest Rick actually comes to losing his hand. More Rick and yeah. Michonne teamwork. I'm really glad to the show developing their relationship and a whole lot of fun. I'm not sure what their description of fun is, but my first thought was, is this where Rick actually loses his hand after he spiked himself on Winslow's face? Yeah, you know, they don't find some antibiotics. There, there could be some issues there. Uh, Got any Neosporin? Yeah. <laughs> not easy to it's a little by. bit. There's got to be some laying around there, you know, but uh, he didn't ask. So it's like, hey, tetanus shots later on in the, the dump over there. I thought it was pretty hilarious when Jada wouldn't shake his hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smart woman. So she's maybe, you know, she, she's the one that has the 60 IQ and everyone else has the 40 IQ. That's pretty much why she's the leader. <laughs> uh-huh. After this episode was over, it was, I saw a lot of chatter on Facebook. Uh, people saying this was the worst episode they ever did. I didn't feel it. I didn't quite feel that way. I've seen worse. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it does strain the lot. It doesn't exactly speak well of Rick's leadership ability again when his his best plan is to offer them a shit ton of guns that he has no fucking clue how he's going to get. You know? or, where they, or where they're going to aim the guns. <laughs> it's true. You know, they could just be like, hey, thanks for the guns. You know, <laughs> give us the rest of your shit. We'll be taking that nice town you live in, too. Right. I mean, what is he going to do? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, aside from the fight with Winslow, the I thought the trash heap section was the weakest part of the episode. I was really into the other stuff that was happening yeah. with Daryl and all that. Yeah, that was the weakest. And again, it even it's like, well, if you can find that many guns, man, you've, you've probably already got enough people. You know, right? People wasn't your problem; it was weapons. But now you're just going to find the weapons and and give. Half of them to, well, you know, or as many as it takes to. But I guess, you know, Rick's being, it's like, well, I don't, you know, rather have these fuckers die than any of my friends. So, again, we've we found ourselves lots of nice, random people that will never know their names to die in the war that. Well, you know, they're. Protect uh, our main characters. They're, they're cheaper. <laughs> they don't have as big contracts. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even pay but two of them to speak this episode. So, <laughs> Well, after the way two of them spoke, do you really want any of them? Any no, of them speaking? no, not really. Uh, as I said, yeah, I, I think this was just basically like, ah, let's do. They, she was, they, they, she was Jada Borg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little, seven of nine. <laughs> a little Annie entity uh, thrown in for good measure, but uh, not quite as entertaining as Tina Turner was. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, the 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 crew on this show is doing tributes all the time to, to various zombie movies and stuff, but for some reason they, they felt the need to go Mad Max uh, without cars, I might add, so that's problematic, or at least not working ones. But, yeah, other than the off-putting language, I guess it was cool. It's, you know, good to find something that this isn't in the comics. You know, this is a completely new group like the Oceanside was, so that's always good for us people that think we know where things are going. Um, but, again, it's another community that we're, you know, is not probably going to be... Sur- I'm actually impressed that we've been at the Kingdom twice in this back half. Um, 
but it's just going to be another unserved community with with lots of cannon fodder. I guess that's what we need. Well, with Daryl having left the kingdom, I wonder how much of the kingdom we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the main reason we were there this week for him and the the Richard thing. We might see Richard off on a side mission, you know, next week or something. But I, I think it'll probably be basically all Eugene show next week. Yeah, I have that but feeling too. If- Probably agonizingly so. I have a feeling it's going to be a dragger. If Richard attacks the saviors, the odds are that he's going to lead a trail of breadcrumbs right back to Carol's house, isn't it? That, that was his plan, even originally. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that finally going to be enough to knock Morgan off of his zen? I would think that would, if he even knows about it. But, you know, we might just have a glorious last battle for Carol, too, and that's how she goes out, and Jerry comes to deliver the cobbler and sees the horrific scene, and the war is on. They better not fucking sacrifice Carol to start this whole thing. (laughs) But the problem with... The problem with Carol is they're at a point where they're just kind of going back and forth with her. Yeah, yeah, for a while. I mean, that's that's her whole plot line now, too. It's like, well, she's, you know, when is she not going to be the pacifist anymore? That's a, that's all they've been able to do with her for a while. Um, and yeah, even they're... Morgan. You know, we know Morgan's going to eventually fight or probably get killed. So, I mean, yeah. Was that, gonna... was that the staff he got from the guy in the cabin? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's why he was so upset that right. Douchey was taking it. Right. Um, sure he can come across another one, but it just doesn't have the same... That Maybe was that given was to me by a friend. Yeah, yeah, he actually even said that. He said, that was given to me by Maybe someone that, who's no longer here. Maybe that's the catalyst. <laughs> Maybe that was the magic pacifism staff, and now that he doesn't have that, he can become a killer again. I don't know, start you know, using a gun, something that might actually be a little more useful in the coming battles. <laughs> right, especially, you know, if you remember the way he was when Rick found him in whatever season that was, when he was clearing. Yeah. We need that, Morgan. Yeah, definitely. He, he would drop a fucker at the you know, drop of a hat. So, yep. Absolutely. He was knocking futs, though. Yeah, but that, that has some advantages in battle. Sometimes, as long as you keep shooting at the other side and not your own people, <laughs> there's always a risk there. <laughs> well, now Jeb will roll a twenty sider on a berserker spell. You're gonna <laughs> lose. You're, you're gonna lose. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Mike? Maybe he'll uh, be more under control with his uh, clearing. Yeah, well, one would hope. I don't know. I, I still don't think they should necessarily like let Rick lead the battles or, or come up with the plans. There are actual military people around that you might want to hand that stuff off to, but well, we don't know that they're military people. Well, it wasn't like Sasha was in the army, wasn't she? Oh. No, um, but I mean, we gotta ex- think that Jesus was like special forces guy somewhere mm-hmm. along the line or something. Um, I don't know. Or, uh, Richard seems like he might have had some, some military experience. I don't yeah. know, but but they'll go with Rick because you got to. It's the show. He makes the most money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so he gets to make all the bad decisions on screen. <laughs> uh, anything else, kids? Hello? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Hello. Didn't seem to be a lot, a lot to talk about in this episode. It just kind of seemed to straightforward. There were no... Uh, yeah, just moving us along to the right. necessary conflict. Um, 
And they said we'll get to see Jeffrey Dean chewing scenery next week, I'm sure. Is that another long one next week, I'm thinking? Uh, it seems like they've all been long ones. No, this, this one was blessedly short, at least, or the 45 minutes, at least. I think next week might be a long one, I heard. Yeah, and I guess it's going to be essentially probably bopping back in time a little bit and that they're they're just discovering that... that now, see, that doesn't make it. It almost sounds like from the promo materials that I've read that they're just going to discover that Daryl's gone, but they already know he's gone. Or yeah. at least Simon knows he's gone, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out because that's, like, literally the... Let me see if I can that was why they went to Alexandria in the last episode. Yeah. And I can't believe that someone that was just Simon acting on his, on his own. Let's see if I can find the synopsis. Eugene unwillingly begins to work for Negan. Yeah. And stay at the sanctuary. Meanwhile, Dwight pays a visit to a place from his past. Hmm. I don't know where I read. I read in some synopsis that it was like they discovered Daryl's gone. Like, that doesn't make any sense. They already have, so. Yeah, they should know that Daryl's gone by now. It's probably just whoever wrote it just doesn't know their shit, apparently. Because they don't listen to great podcasts like this one. (laughs) We keep the people informed. Uh, no email, but you can email us at uh, weeklyheroics at yahoo.com if you'd like. And I, I keep forgetting to do this, but Mr. Mike, why don't you give your uh, your podcast a, a plug while we're here tonight? Yeah, I am the host of the Man of Screen podcast over at manofscreen.podomatic.com. Yay! Uh, I am uh, covering uh, Superman on TV and the movies from the 1940s until today, I guess. Right now, I am getting toward the end of season four of the George Reeves television series. Sweet. How many seasons did that go? Six. Did it really? Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, and that's about it, kids, uh, for your Fear of the Walking Dead cast, Eugene's summer vacation next week, and we'll see you then, I suppose. For Serotonin, Mike Sumo, wave goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't forget to lie, right? <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't need another hero, but, you know, we got Thunderdome this week, so that was <laughs> cool. I uh, forgot the rest of the lyrics to that. <laughs> that'll, that'll be our closing song tonight, obviously, though. Uh, so, Ew. hearing the intro right now, hey, I got to do some Jethro Tull last week, made me very happy. Um, all right, tune in next week. We'll keep uh, talking about walkers. You keep tuning in. I know.
Yeah.